Part two, chapter two of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part two, chapter two. Nevertheless, he now began to dread lest some exterior agency might ruin his joy. Chilo might readily communicate the news of his disappearance to the prefect or to his own freedmen this would mean the coming of a watchman to the house in which he lay for a moment it is true the temptation came to him that he might give an order to seize lygia and lock her up in his house but the next instant he felt that he could not do it arrogant self-willed and dissolute as he was merciless enough when need be he yet was no tigellinus no nero military life had imbued him with some feeling of justice of good faith and of conscience which made him recognize the dastardly nature of such a deed in a moment of anger indeed when in full possession of his strength he might have done this but at this moment and under these circumstances his nerves were unstrung he was sick at heart he was moved with strange emotions all that he cared for was that no one should stand between him and lygia astonished he perceived that from the moment that lygia had pleaded for him neither she herself nor crispus had sought any assurance from him seemingly confident that some supernatural force would defend them in case of need vinitius who since he had heard the sermon of the apostle at ostranium had felt the distinction between the possible and the impossible fading away was inclined to believe that this might be so but recovering his wonted mood he called to mind what he had said about the greek and again told them to bring chilo before him crispus consented it was decided to send ursus vinitius in the last days before his visit to ostranium had often sent his slaves to chilo without finding him he now explained to the lygian exactly where chilo resided then writing a few words on the tablet he addressed himself to crispus i give you this tablet because this man is suspicious and treacherous often when i have summoned him he has sent word to my messenger that he was away this he always did when he had no good news for me and was afraid of my anger let me find him and i will bring him whether he be willing or not replied ursus taking his cloak he hurried out it was no easy task to find any one in rome even with the completest directions Ursus, however, was aided in such cases by the instincts of the semi-savage of the forests and his intimate acquaintance with the city. Hence he soon found himself in Chilo's dwelling. He failed to recognize him. Only once before, and then at night, had he seen him. Furthermore, the towering and self-possessed old man who had ordered him to murder Glaucus so little resembled the Greek who now bent himself almost double before him in abject fear that no one could have imagined them the same person. Chilo, perceiving that Ursus took him for a stranger, was relieved. The sight of Vinitius's writing on the tablet quieted him still more. It never occurred to him to think that Vinitius would entrap him into an ambuscade, nor did he imagine that the Christians could have killed Vinitius, inasmuch as they would not dare to lift their hands against so eminent a person. Ah, so Vinitius will protect me in case of need, he thought. Surely then he does not summon me for the purpose of giving me up to death. Regaining courage, he asked, good friend did not the noble vinitius send a litter for me my legs are swollen it is impossible for me to walk so far no replied ursus we will walk 
suppose i decline do not thou must go be it so but i go of my own free will no one can compel me for i am a freedman and a friend of the city prefect as a philosopher i have means against the use of force i know how to change men into trees and animals but i will go i will go i will first don a warmer cloak and a hood so that the slaves in this quarter may not recognize me if they did they would detain me at every step to kiss my hands speaking thus he put on another mantle as well as an ample gallic hood in order that ursus should not recognize him in a broader light whither wilt thou lead me he asked ursus on the way to the trans tiber i have not dwelt long in rome and i have never been in the trans tiber but doubtless in that quarter also there dwell men who love virtue now the blunt and outspoken ursus had already heard vinitius say that the greek had been with him in the ostranium cemetery later he had seen the pair at the portal of the house where lygia lived so he halted for a moment and said tell no lie old man to-day thou wert with vinitius at the ostranium and at our portal ha said chilo is your house in the trans tiber i have been but a short time in rome and am not familiar with the names of the quarters thou sayest truth my friend i stood at thy portal to-day and i strove to persuade vinitius in the name of virtue not to enter true also i was in ostranium and dost thou know why because for some time past i have been endeavouring to save vinitius i would that he could hear the oldest of the apostles may the light gain access to his soul and to thine certainly as a christian thou must wish that truth should conquer falsehood yes said ursus humbly chilo had now entirely regained his courage vinitius is a powerful lord and a friend of caesar he said he often listens to the suggestions of evil spirits but if a hair of his head were injured caesar would revenge himself on all christians nay we are protected by a still greater power true true but what do you intend to do with vinitius asked chilo with renewed fear i know not christ commands charity thou sayest well remember this always otherwise thou wilt be fried in hell like sausage in a frying-pan ursus uttered a sigh chilo said to himself that he could do anything he would with this man terrible as he might be in a moment of passion anxious to know how things had gone since the carrying off of lygia he asked with an assumption of sternness what hast thou done with croto speak and tell no lie once more ursus sighed vinitius will tell you he said which means that you stabbed him with a dagger or killed him with a club i was unarmed answered ursus the greek could not repress his wonder at the supernatural strength of the barbarian may pluto i mean may christ forgive you for a while they continued their journey in silence then chilo said i will not betray thee but look out for the watchman i fear christ not watchman that is right there is no greater crime than murder i will pray for thee but i know not that my prayer will help thee unless thou wilt vow that thou wilt not raise a finger against anybody but i did not kill with premeditation replied ursus chilo who was determined to ensure his own safety continued to instill into the mind of ursus a horror of murder and to persuade him to take the vow he also questioned ursus about vinitius but the lygian answered him unwillingly again asserting that he would hear all that was necessary from the lips of vinitius himself 
thus talking they traversed the long distance from the dwelling of the greek to the trans tiber and reached the house chilo's heart throbbed uneasily in his terror it appeared to him that ursus gazed upon him with a look of longing ferocity small comfort it would be to me he thought if he should kill me without premeditation would that paralysis might strike him as well as all his fellow lygians grant this o zeus if thou canst so thinking he drew his gallic mantle more tightly around him explaining that he was afraid of the cold at length after passing the portal and the first courtyard they found themselves in a corridor leading to the garden chilo halted suddenly and said let me take breath otherwise i could not speak with vinitius to give him wholesome advice he stopped short though he repeated to himself that no danger menaced him nevertheless the thought of facing those mysterious people whom he had seen in ostranium made his legs tremble somewhat from the inside hymns came floating to his ears what is that he queried thou claimst to be a christian yet thou knowest not that we have a custom after each meal of singing a hymn of praise to the saviour miriam and her son must have returned by this time mayhap the apostle is with them as he is a daily visitor to the widow and crispus lead me to vinitius vinitius is in the same room as the others as it is the largest room the rest are small dark chambers which we use only for sleeping come in and rest yourself they went in the room was somewhat dark it was a cloudy winter evening the light of a few lamps struggled dimly through the gloom vinitius felt rather than saw that the hooded man was chilo the latter seeing vinitius stretched on the bed went straight to him without looking at the others as if convinced that with him alone was safety master why didst thou not take my advice he exclaimed clasping his hands together keep still said vinitius and listen he looked sharply into chilo's eyes speaking slowly but distinctly as if he wished every word to be taken as an order to be forever engraved upon chilo's memory croto assaulted me with intent to rob and murder dost understand so i had to slay him these people dressed the wounds which i received in the fight chilo perceived at once that if vinitius spoke in this way it was by some previous arrangement with the christians and that he wished to be believed he perceived this in vinitius's very face so without expressing either doubt or wonder he lifted up his eyes and exclaimed was a thorough caitiff o master remember i warned thee not to put thy faith in him all my precepts to him struck his head like peas against the wall there is no torture enough in all hades for him if a man cannot be honest it is because he is a rascal to whom is it more difficult than to a rascal to become honest but to assault his benefactor and so generous a master ye gods here he recalled that on the way he had represented himself to ursus as a christian and stopped short vinitius resumed speaking had it not been for the dagger i had with me he would have killed me blessed be the moment when i advised you to take the dagger with you vinitius turning on the greek a scrutinizing look said what didst thou to-day master have i not told thee that i was offering up vows for thy health and nothing more i was just making ready to call upon thee when that good man brought me thy summons here is a tablet go with it to my house find my freedman and give it to him at once it is here written that i have gone to beneventum 
thou wilt tell demas from thyself that i went this morning in answer to an urgent call from petronius he repeated emphatically i have gone to beneventum dost thou comprehend you have gone master this morning i bade thee farewell at porta capena and since thy departure such melancholy has overcome me that if thy generosity do not temper it i will weep myself to death even as the unhappy wife of zethus mourning for italus vinitius despite his sickness and his knowledge of the craftiness of the greek could not refrain from smiling but it pleased him that chilo understood him at once i will add an order said he that thy tears be wiped away at once give me a lamp chilo had now recovered his equanimity he rose and stepping to the hearth took from the mantel one of the burning lamps as he did this the hood slipped from his head the light struck full in his face glaucus jumped from his bench a few quick steps brought him face to face with the greek dost thou not recognize me cephas he asked there was something so terrible in his voice that a shiver ran through all present chilo lifted the lamp and immediately let it drop then he bent himself in terrified supplication no i am not he i am not he have pity glaucus glanced towards the people around the supper-table and cried here is the man who betrayed and wrecked me and my family the story of glaucus was known to all the christians vinitius himself had heard it but he had not guessed that glaucus and the stranger were one owing to his continuous fainting spells during the dressing of his wounds he had not heard the man's name to ursus the words of glaucus came in that moment as lightning out of darkness with one leap he was at his side he seized him by the shoulders and shaking him exclaimed this is the man who persuaded me to murder glaucus have mercy shrieked chilo i will return thee everything he moaned o oh, good master he cried turning to vinitius save me o oh, save me i confided in thee be my protector i will take thy letter o oh, master master vinitius was least moved of all the spectators at this strange scene first because he knew all the hidden doings of the greek and second because his heart had small room for pity or compassion bury him in the garden he said coldly some other messenger will take the letter to chilo these words seemed to be a final sentence his bones were cracking in the terrible clutch of ursus pain filled his eyes with tears for the sake of your god do not kill me peace be with you i am a christian if you do not believe me baptize me at once twice more ten times more glaucus this is a terrible mistake let me explain make me a slave do not kill me mercy mercy his voice stifled with agony died away in a whimper from behind the table rose the apostle peter for a moment his white head trembled and drooped his eyes closed then he opened them again drew himself up and amidst a hush of silence said the saviour hath commanded if thy brother sin against thee chastise him but if he is repentant forgive him and if he has offended seven times in the day against thee and has turned to thee seven times saying have mercy on me forgive him the silence grew deeper glaucus stood for a long time with his face covered by his hands at length he removed them cephas he said may god forgive thee and thy trespasses against me as i forgive them ursus freed the greek's arms and added may the saviour take mercy on me even as i take mercy upon thee 
chilo fell to the floor upon his hands and knees shaking his head like a beast caught in a trap he gazed around in immediate anticipation of death even yet he could not believe his eyes and ears he did not dare to hope for mercy slowly he recovered himself his blue lips still trembling from fright the apostle said go in peace chilo rose he could not speak automatically he sought the couch of vinitius as if looking to him for protection not yet could he understand that the man who profited by his services and was in a measure his accomplice condemned him while these very people whom he had injured forgave him recognition of this fact came later at present he looked only astonishment and disbelief he had heard the words of forgiveness but his one aim was to rescue his head from these incomprehensible people whose kindness affrighted him more than cruelty it seemed to him that if he remained here any longer something unexpected would again occur therefore standing by vinitius he stammered out give me the letter taking the tablet which vinitius handed him he bowed low to the christians and then to the patient and crouching along the wall hurried out into the darkness of the garden fright raised the hair on his head for he felt sure that ursus would follow and kill him fain would he have put forth his utmost speed but his legs failed him the next moment he had lost complete control of them as he caught sight of ursus by his side chilo fell with his face to the ground and cried out in agony ursus for jesus sake but ursus said be not afraid the apostle bade me lead you beyond the portal so that you be not lost in the darkness if you lack strength i will lead you to your house chilo lifted his face what sayest thou he exclaimed thou wilt not slay me nay i will not kill thee and if i clutched thee too fiercely and injured a bone of thy body forgive me help me up said the greek what you will not kill me lead me to the street and i will make the rest of the journey alone ursus lifted him as he might have lifted a feather and stood him on his feet then he led him through the dark alley to the second courtyard here was the exit to the street in the corridor chilo repeated to himself i am lost not until he had reached the street did he recover and say i can now go alone then peace be with thee and with thee and with thee suffer me to take breath after the departure of ursus he drew a long breath with his hands he felt all over his legs and hips as though to convince himself that he was still alive and whole then he hurried forward after a score of rapid steps he halted and said aloud why did they not kill me notwithstanding his long dispute with eurytius about christian teaching notwithstanding his discussion with ursus by the mill-pond and notwithstanding all he had heard in ostranium he could imagine no answer to this question End of part two, chapter two.